0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block. And we have a very exciting episode of the show for you today. Joining us on the other side of the mic, uh, a longtime uh, listener, first-time caller, I suppose, Aubrey Strobel. Um, very excited to have you on to talk about your recent film. Let's just start with the sort of origin story. Um, we're gonna, We're going to hopefully be able to play it, get a little clip right here. Um, I found it funny how in the beginning when I was watching it, it was like an observation films production (laughs) written by Aubrey, and then I was just expecting like it to be like starring Aubrey Struble, produced by Aubrey (laughs) Struble, filmed by Aubrey (laughs) Struble, and just keep going.
1: I I, it would have been funny. It would have been like the Mark Jacobs situation where he like says the Mark Jacobs bag by Mark Jacobs, produced by Mark Jacobs. Um, well, first of all, Frank, thanks for having me on the show. I am thrilled to finally make my way on to the scoop. It's been it's been ages. And this is my first scoop appearance. So I I just want to make note of that. Um, So thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, the film uh, took, you know, not not as long as uh, traditional films take to make because it was a grassroots project. It was something that um, I had found out about, um, this, this township, um, Bitcoin Akasi, where they were integrating Bitcoin via lightning in South Africa in a town called Bay. And I think a lot of people might be familiar with the, uh, Bitcoin beach, uh, situation that is in El Salvador, but, uh, this was not quite, uh, the same situation. So basically, uh no one had gone there and it was really interesting to me that there had been no sort of journalistic covering of this situation. Um, and just to see you know if it was working I didn't really come in with an agenda of this is going to be a Bitcoin propaganda film right that's pro Bitcoin it, it was more of going in uh, with the curiosity of what what does it look like in a country such as South Africa that is fueled with corruption and has such a, a kind of a dark past in terms of its leaders and how its people have been able to, you know, work um, with each other, uh, just going back since apartheid times, which is a pretty heavy subject. Um, so was able to to go down there and discover, you know, what was happening with Bitcoin. So that was sort of the idea that fueled it. I actually found out from a friend on Noster, a decentralized social media platforms, a lot of Bitcoiners are using. And so went down there, did not know what was happening, um, and just uh, felt like it was something that the Bitcoin space should be doing. Because I think a lot of times, we got a lot of people on podcasts, we got a lot of people talking about Bitcoin, but where is it actually helping people? And especially during the last bull market, you had a lot of pundits on you know, mainstream shows, on CNBC, on Bloomberg, and they're like, yeah, this is helping people that are in uh, emerging markets. And it's like but do do we have has anyone have actually gone down there and checked it out so that was sort of the thought process behind this film
0: yeah no i think it's a really interesting point and i think we talked about this at some point um i think maybe mef- before you got started on the film about how like the bitcoin community has has gotten a bit like rigid in a sense um and kind of, it is yeah. kind of the same old talking points, especially in mainstream press about, you know, store of value, digital gold. Um, but we haven't really, and, and there's a lot of like promises that, you know, don't pan out necessarily. Um, so how, how did Start you sort of, out. exactly, <laughs> <play> yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of stuff like that, but this is actual, you know, real usage on the ground
1: yes and so i think it's important to to go down there i think a lot of people especially in the continent of africa people like to go down with cameras a lot of people like to you know get a story and leave and that's not what i came down there for i wasn't trying to extract value from the community i wanted to listen to them and and to see what their needs are because um it's actually quite interesting to hear about the townships i was naive and um, didn't really know much about the, you know, post-apartheid, uh, what would that look like? That's less than, fewer than 30 years ago. Um, and so to think that everything just swiftly moves back into like peace uh, is not the case. And so you have to look at the ramifications from something like that, that disenfranchised so many people, uh, predominantly black South Africans. And so you look at the stats, and it's like 64% of black South Africans remain in poverty, and only, that's only 1% of white South Africans. And that's that's a today's stat. So what does that look like economically for these people? Well, it looks like not everyone can get a bank account because not everyone has an ID. And that's a, that's a massive problem. Their money is not working for them, and their government is not working for them. So it's opting them to look outside of their government. What, what can we do? And that could have been, a, a, you know, an array of things. They could have told me that they're interested in stable coins. I would have been, you know, I, I didn't go down there to say, like, tell me about how Bitcoin's like, you know, fixing your problems. I think, I think that's a little, you know, contrived and, and frankly, a little disgusting. Um, I, but I just asked them, you know, what do you think about South Africa? What, what, why? Uh, do you feel like Bitcoin is a better store of value for you? And I asked about the volatility because I do think that's an important concept of it. There are surf instructors. They're taking their full paycheck in the form of Bitcoin, their entire salary and betting on this asset. And I think, you know, we should talk about that. What does that look like? I don't know anyone in America who's taking their entire paycheck in, in Bitcoin. So it's an interesting story. Um, and not only that, they have merchants in the townships where they still live. This is post-apartheid again, that they're still in the townships and they they choose to live in these townships and they've integrated uh, merchants to, to use Bitcoin. And a lot of them are have, using products like...
0: Go ahead. How did they find... How did they sort of... I don't want to use not the word discover, but what was the sort of come to Jesus moment for this community? Um, that kind of pushed them in the direction of a Bitcoin. How did how did that sort of happen?
1: Yeah, uh, so this community found out about Bitcoin because the founder of Bitcoin Acasi, which is a nonprofit that is teaching kids about Bitcoin. Uh, and he's also the founder of a nonprofit called Surfer Kids. They joined together to integrate through like surf lessons. So we're going to pay our surf instructors in Bitcoin. Um, but then it expanded out in the townships. They decided to integrate payment. So you can't get, you know, if you're getting paid in Bitcoin, you need a, you need a place to spend your Bitcoin or people that will accept it. There needed to be traction and that needed to be by merchant adoption. So. In a sense, uh, Herman Vivier he went around and kind of did like business development on the ground for mm-hmm. Bitcoin and was teaching people in the community and business owners, shop owners. This is like your your local convenience store, barber shops, um, even like an, a, a similar Uber Eats situation. How to uh, accept Bitcoin, and that takes a lot of education. It's not easy, as as many of us know. The user experience for most crypto products is lacking. And there is a learning curve for that. So that that took some education on there as well. And so it's a, it's a holistic program. Not only are they adopting Bitcoin, but they have classes for people in the township on every single level of um, learning about how to custody your Bitcoin, what to do, you know, how to get your Bitcoin off an exchange, um, and then just over overall financial courses. So it's not like, hey, let's offload you onto this asset and we're not going to help you either. That doesn't do anyone any good. No, no one wants that, right? Um, so that, that was sort of how it came to be. That's how Herman uh, you know, created this program. And it's been a grassroots uh, effort, and it's now expanding out. They have over 60 kids in the program, and they want to bring more people in. There's even you know, older, sort of like uh, adult-aged people who are trying to get into it as well. It's just being more embraced by the younger generation.
0: And what does the merchant penetration look like? What's interesting to me is I I would imagine that if I were to go there, there's probably more merchants that would take Bitcoin payment than if I were to walk into, you know, the majority of coffee shops in New York.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, if people are willing to spend their Bitcoin and I asked, you know. The surf instructors and people there who were accepting Bitcoin and also the children are receiving Bitcoin as an allowance. The incentive and the incentivization for the children is to show up, get good attendance, uh, and, and get good marks, you know, in school. And then they earn, you know, a certain amount of Bitcoin. Um, for, for doing that, some stats. And so that's a great thing for children to incentivize them to come. Um, you would have to have, you know, people willing to accept that. And, and the kids said in the video that they are buying stuff for their family. They're coming home with groceries, uh, something, and that's adding value back into their lives, their families, their townships. And so this is, this is being really embraced. I will say that I did ask some of the, the people in the township of, you know how trusting how, how much do they trust this well they said sadly there had been people during the last cycle and over the past years that have promised a a bitcoin of sorts and were custodying it for them and and you know with a lack of education they were trusting people and did get scammed in some situations so it is a it's a hard barrier to entry i would say because of just sort of the uh, the, the baggage and some of the the stuff that's happened in this in the system, and you know where where people can corrupt things and and make a steal and, and hurt people. I guess that will always happen. But yeah, there were some trust issues with with getting this fully onboarded into the township.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I feel like it's probably easier to um, you know set up a wallet, despite some of those UX problems, than actually getting like banking infrastructure integrated into a community like this.
1: Entirely. Um, it's really interesting, South Africa. You know, it it's has a so many resources. They're one of the largest exporters of fruit. They, you know, they have a ton of aluminum, yet they have, you know, tons of load shedding down there. I don't know if you've ever been down there or heard of anyone that's been down there, but they'll just shut the power off for about two hours during the day. And so you have a lot of broken systems and it's just it's it's actually just so shocking to see and so the the uh, the citizens don't trust the government in South Africa to this state. so yeah, I mean getting banked, trusting your bank uh, getting your IDs going through all those systems they said it's it's a very difficult process and a lot of people don't don't even have IDs, which it's it's just shocking to hear that in 2023. so what are the so what are people left to do? you know what are, what do they need to do? It, they're looking outside. Um, and so, you know, this is just one township. South Africa is massive. It's three times the size of Texas. Um, so I don't know if this is fully working for every single township. There's many townships still operating there. Um, but it was interesting to see the traction there. And really what this film is about is it's a story about hope. Um, these kids are also learning you know, how to surf and about money for the first time. And, and there's a spirit of freedom and independence, which really resonated with me. Um, and that's what I really wanted to capture in the film and make sure people understood. Because if you grow up in a place like this, um, where, you know, your government's working against you, and this is your only option and this is the first time you're introduced to it, it, it must feel like a, you know, such a, like a, like a soaring fe- feeling, like how it feels to ride these waves that they're learning um, how to, how to ride. So it's, it's a, it was really, is really beautiful.
0: What, what moments do you think capture that in the film?
1: I mean, the children were phenomenal in terms of, we just let them speak. Uh, we put a camera up and, you know, I I'm not into, you know, trying to get a soundbite or getting anything out of there. But there were some really interesting moments. Um, we had Sandito, uh, he's a kid there who has been there for a few years, and he said, I'm not proud of South Africa. What a statement, you know, to say, I'm not proud of South Africa. I'm not proud of my country. Um, I think that takes some takes a lot for a child to say, right? Um, and to just understand and know at that age, um, there were some other beautiful moments too with the kids. Um, and something that the film talks about is just the sort of uh, disparity in terms of the sport of surfing, there's kids are learning how to surf for the first time. And it's a predominantly, even though, you know, surfing started out in Hawaii, it's predominantly become a white surf sport. Um, and there's not a lot of, uh, black surfers. And so their goal and their desire and their hope to be, to kind of break into the pro surf world tour was a really cool thing. And, and hearing the kids talk about that they're not going to give up and they're going to work every day at this. It's amazing. And not only are the kids learning how to surf, but they're meddling. Um, you have, you have Spoo. who's just a little, little guy who's, uh, surfing in the Grom competitions. He was getting bronze medals. And this is the first time um for, for this community to see that success. So could you just imagine, you know, having that success, having an outlet that's outside of the townships. Um and to 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 share a little bit about what the townships are like, pretty, pretty dangerous. I, I was shocked going into it. I didn't even know if I, I would be allowed to go into it. There was little communication when we were going in. Uh you know, Luthondo kind of just took us in there and he was like you can't go in these areas. It's very dangerous. And Really, just taking in that entire experience because you you, white people don't go into the townships. It's very rare that anyone's in there, and just to be able to see what it's like was was shocking. A lot of huts. um, Shockingly, there was a lot of Bitcoin companies sponsoring like the sheds, the tin sheds that a lot of the people in the township were living in. So that was something I didn't even know was happening in the Bitcoin space for certain stats of the month. They could put their logo on it uh, in, in one area. Um, but yeah, it was it was very, very interesting.
0: I think the juxtaposition of like the journey of learning to surf and learning how to sort of be onboarded into like crypto effectively was interesting because it was like both are so both are empowering in their own ways like like at least I don't surf but you know from what I've heard from people (laughs) um, it is it is a very like powerful feeling Um, and you know being able to like have control over your your destiny on the water and have control over your destiny in your you know as it pertains to your wealth um, must just just seeing that firsthand must be really incredible. Um, Like a very joyous sort of feeling.
1: Yeah. I was kind of, you know, sitting with that and wondering why surfing has become such a popular sport, especially in, in the Bitcoin space. And there's sort of this like overlap or Venn diagram, if you will. And I think there's just almost this like element of sovereignty, like as you were saying, and it's just this independence. And surfing is a solo sport most of the time. Um, and you're kind of on your own journey and pathway. And I was trying to marry those two themes in the film. Um, and there's a great, uh, there's a great scene from like Shawshank Redemption. I don't know if, uh, you know, where he, he kind of speaks about hope and uh, how they can't take that from you. And I think there's something really beautiful too about, you know, no one can take that experience from you out, out on the waves. You're, you're on your own. You're on your own course. Um, and you're just one with nature. And I know that sounds a little, Oh, woo woo! But it, it, uh, it really, it really did resonate with me. I'll um, never forget
0: when I first met Aubrey Strobel. <laughs> I didn't but, know. not think... know what she was in there for. <laughs> my, it's my Morgan Freeman.
1: That was awful, Frank. No, that was pretty good. <laughs> but, but, th- but there is that element. Um. And, and I've never done. By the way, this is my first film. Like I, I took a stab at filmmaking for the first time. I, I didn't know what it was supposed to be. You know, I have a podcast called The Observation. I sometimes put out vlogs traveling around. So I was like, okay, this could be that. But it just felt like something so much deeper than that. Um, and so yeah, it just felt like it naturally fit into it. Um, so I'm, I'm lucky enough that it was able to to become a short film and that we were able to premiere it in New York City.
0: So. What do you think is the biggest difference between how people in your film view Bitcoin versus how it's viewed by the rest of the world? In the film and in real life uh, in South Africa, I
1: think Bitcoin is viewed as a, like a life saving vehicle. It's like a, It's like a life raft for a lot of people. And it is the opt-out button. Now, in previous cycles, I would say in the last bull market, 2017, 2018, um, the store of value narrative was very strong um, and and a little bit into payments. Um, And then, you know, as time has gone on, People here in America have talked about using Lightning. Um, Lightning doesn't have a ton of traction, um, as much as people think it does. That doesn't mean it's it's bad. That doesn't mean Lightning's not going anywhere. That just means that there's we need to build better infrastructure for Bitcoin. Right? It's just not convenient as many people know. As like at time of purchase, you know you can't you can't be using on chain transactions. So they are using Lightning down there, and so Lightning is being used. Um in emerging markets, and I think that's interesting. I don't see that happening in New York City. I don't see that happening in most places in america um i've never i've never like
0: used too- I've never used lightning,
1: yeah, yeah, and most people haven't honestly, frank, most people haven't um but the thing is is that we need to kind of stop this narrative. I think, especially on Bitcoin Twitter, I guess that you're not supposed to spend any of your Bitcoin because that's impure, like sacrilegious. Because there are people it's that need good. to. Um, sp-
0: it's not. What is it? EV positive. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's it's just not. It's not the way. You know this whole like, um, and you see this a little bit with ordinals. I won't get too into the weeds, but. You know, Bitcoin was built on the idea of free markets, and like it was, you know, people were on the Silk Road using it in the beginning. Like the original Bitcoiners were buying drugs on Silk Road. That's those were the people that you were and guns and whatever. I don't know. And to tell people now that they can't, you know, create an ordinal because it's clogging the chain and it's upping fees—that's a crazy thing to say, you know. And people in South Africa or wherever can't use Bitcoin. And spend their Bitcoin. That narrative is so disgusting to me. I don't know when that started to happen and it's also like you're upset that people are using the currency. I, I'm very confused. it's like there's 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 many narratives. I don't think any of them have fully played out. I don't think anyone's happy. I think a lot of people are a little bit miserable. <laughs> online and they like to fight so maybe i don't you know i don't i'm not quite sure i just think the whole like never spend your bitcoin because you're you're impure and you're not a true bitcoiner is not what i'm about and when you actually go visit a country who needs this uh you know you you really do see like where bitcoin can become valuable so that's all i care about And the people who are online pontificating like they can just kick rocks
0: <laughs> yeah so w- did did you like talk um, with the community about some of those we you know these weird uh, what would you call it I guess like cultural uh, issues underpinning Bitcoin like to what extent like you know it, it's funny because like kind of what you're describing is like the the wizards and like. These And, and eating and, and being a carnivore and not spending your Bitcoin. <laughs> and that just seems like, I mean, that's what we're, we, we kind of see online a lot or like what's in our face here in the West. But that's probably like, I mean, totally foreign to this type of community and how they view Bitcoin or, or like, you know, the, the cultural sort of underpinnings of it
1: yeah the the really cool thing is that a lot of the uh, people in bitcoin akasi are on twitter, and one really cool thing about this film and the whole point x. of this film, which we haven't sorry x or <laughs> i'm gonna always call it twitter i'm I'm not calling it x sorry that's okay long. um something that I found to be really interesting um was that they're online and so the point of this fundraiser was to or part of this film was to create a fundraiser to fund their like surf center, which was pretty much falling apart. And what I've never seen done, and I'm really proud of about this, is that we were able to raise uh, over two Bitcoin, thanks to Jack Dorsey, uh, G Money, and a few other people who donated. A lot of people were uh, sending payments over Lightning on Noster. Um, And people who went to the film were scanning the QR codes at the end. They could donate in Bitcoin. um, They could use Lightning. And there was a USDC address as well that they were converting into Bitcoin. Um, But it was the first time that you kind of saw like a global fundraiser where they were able to provide updates in real time. And they're already starting to renovate the center. Like Everyone there is so excited. And we're so thrilled that the Bitcoin community saw them and wanted to help them. Um, and so they're very online.
0: I think that's another aspect of crypto and Bitcoin that maybe isn't fully appreciated. Like the sort of how it evolution, it sort of evolves rather the, um, I almost pulled the George Bush and made up a word. It, it evolutionizes, <laughs> it evolutionificates. Um, it evolves the um, like mechanism of of, um, of charity. In a sense, where yeah, and then there's like also a mimetic aspect too, where everyone's sort of doing something, and then like it just gets amplified. I feel like we saw this with with your film as well as you know when like Zach XBT was sort of under pressure. Um, yeah, from a legal, I feel like it, it's just like, and it's it's as simple as like, okay, this is the cause, and boom, address, and it's it's relatively, I mean, seamless.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, with the Zach XPD stuff, I mean, how much did they raise? Almost like seven hundred thousand, maybe it was more for his for legal fees. That was that's yeah. amazing. Um, and then we had, you know, Kobe uh, has done similar things too with you know people on Twitch and helped you know people with a you know something that they needed to be funded for, and that's been able to happen really quickly because of Twitter uh, or X, whatever you want to call it. It's
0: like a mix um, of social but- and crypto. It's like a very powerful. It
1: is. And I think people are just chronically online on crypto. And then there's there's also some some money here, I I would hope, even in the bear, that people are willing to donate to things. Um, I would say that the process wasn't totally streamlined. Um, we had this moment where Jack responded to my tweet and he's like, I thought this got overfunded. And you know, I was like, uh, I don't, I had the last update that I got on this, that it, we were around like $4,000 and he, and he messaged me and said, I I donated, you know, 1.6 something Bitcoin. And so using like BTC pay server and some of the infrastructure around Bitcoin, um, it's not, not no shade to the company. I'm just saying that it took a while to see that that transaction had processed. It was in pending transactions and the, uh, the founder was like away at a conference. And so he was kind of tre- checking these transactions and, and didn't see it come through. And I think that's the hard thing with uh, doing fundraising in this space is because there's no there's no like, again, the UX, there's no way to take like on chain, you can't you I mean you can look on like Block Explorer and kind of follow those payments, but you can't follow like every lightning payment. And then like USDC, you can use either scan, but it's hard it's hard to track all the donations coming through, and one of the things that I wanted to do was not to custody any of this. I didn't want any to like hold any of this money, so it all went directly to Bitcoin Cashi. But you know, I think the experience—I uh, know people have tried to do it, like a uh, BitGive or there's other companies. I haven't—I haven't used them, but it, the uh, the experience of doing like a crowd fund is still like very much like here's the address, donate, and I mean, I think that's the easiest way to do it, and that's why we did it that way.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So what's next?
1: For for filmmaking? For, for, for me?
0: For filmmaking, um, will this be, are there any plans for future films?
1: Yeah, so I'm so thankful that Angelica Film Center in uh, Soho, it's an iconic theater, allowed us to premiere this film. We filled the theater. It was really nice to see a lot of people in the Bitcoin space come out. We had an after- uh party at PubKey. We're going to do another screening um, and also have a panel at PubKey. And then we're going to take it around to some shore towns um, and different places around the U.S. and potentially outside the U.S. I think, you know, my main goal with this film was to get it funded. And now we have funded the Surf Center, which is amazing. And I'm so thankful for everyone who donated to this because it would not be possible uh, without this community to help this other community. Um, so... I'm thrilled about that. We are going to take it on the road, though, because I do think there's a there's an awareness level too of surfing and Bitcoin, and it's how do we bring in other communities to learn about these things? I don't think it's going by to crypto conferences and showing the film. I think everyone's pretty much well aware about what Bitcoin can do. I think you take it to some surf towns. I think you show it there. I think you see the hope and promise that is happening in South Africa, and hopefully kind of put them on the map at least for uh for the surfing community and, and get people interested in bitcoin
0: so aubrey uh, aside from you know your filmmaking uh, endeavors and all of, all the sort of stuff we've unpacked what else are you excited about in crypto right now
1: yeah so happy the film's done it was a lot of work but uh it was a huge success so very grateful for that experience i don't know if i'm going to be whipping out another film anytime soon um I'm really excited about building on Bitcoin. I think I touched about it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but I do think that there is, um, there's a need for layers on Bitcoin. And I'm advising at a company called Trust Machines that is looking to build on Bitcoin. So this is with all types of L2s. Um, so RSK, liquid, uh, stacks, uh, lightning, anything that is looking to build upon. Bitcoin. Because if you think about Bitcoin, it has the largest brand name value in the cryptocurrency space, except for there's no one really building on it. Like Bitcoin in itself has been built. But what what can be built upon it? I think there's a huge market for that. And I'm interested in getting developers over to to the Bitcoin side to see what is possible. I think it's worth a shot in trying to to build on Bitcoin. And you see a lot of that happening now with the Ordinals and BRC20. And so... Well, they are controversial to a lot of the Bitcoiners in this space. I am very open to experimentation, and I think that it's only a net positive for the Bitcoin ecosystem and adding more value. Uh, so, really excited about that, um, and uh, would love to see a Bitcoin stablecoin. Uh, I, I, I'm very bullish on stablecoins, um, as you know. I feel like personally, I've been I've been using stablecoins the most in this space in the, over the past year, and especially in the bear. So. I would love to see that happen.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Frank.
0: Of course. And The Scoop will be back for you with another great guest. Have an awesome day.